Welcome to the Landing Bay Zero Four. Today is going to be a different uh, kind of episode. It's just going to be such a reports of Starforged. Just some of the things that have been going on in my own campaign, and just giving you some ideas on for your uh, for your own kind of campaigns that you may be running, and perhaps it may inspire you to pick up the game because it's actually really awesome. So there is no intro for this one. We're just going to get right into it. So uh, we're going to start with ses session zero and uh the thing about ses session zero i'm not gonna be able to get that right ever but session zero is uh typically i tend to skip these for whatever reason i i, I like to get right into other people's kind of gameplay when uh, just looking at other videos and streams of uh gameplay just to kind of see how other campaigns have been going for for other people but we always have to start with session zero because it actually sets up the rest of the game Again, uh, this is a report. It's not a detailed playthrough of everything. I'm not going to go over any of the roles or any of that sort. It's just going to be the straight up what happened and then we move on. So for the truths, just to begin with that, uh, truths, the cataclysm truth is uh, a catastrophic war with genetically engineered soldiers. That's the reason why uh, people had to leave the system in order to escape uh, basically this crazy war. So with uh, this prompt, there was something for the character that I was going to make that they had a collapsed keypad, which is a keepsake of the pre-cataclysm. It's kind of like a, a keepsake from uh, the old world, we'll say, or the old system. And my character holds on to that item as kind of like something that makes them feel connected to where he came from generations down the line. And again, the technology is kind of uh, like cassette futurism so it's very like an analog keypad from like a computer very chunky very worn out just something that's kind of infused i kind of say either on the belt where his holster is but i'm actually thinking that it could be integrated with the holster itself i think that is a better idea now the exodus it was a long journey on a ship of countless generations with his own so this made a culture of shelter on the ship now this is i think what i came up with on my own uh, just a culture of being safe on the ship and that uh, it's been done generations past and it'll continue down the line so with my character the clan that he was in uh his clan very strongly discouraged leaving the ship for any reason whatsoever and uh the ship's name which was generated was called the apparition which is uh, kind of odd but you know whatever uh and through the legends from um the generations down the line the stories of the old system are now basically legend like nobody really knows if it's true or not with that the next thing we're going to get into is the community so there is danger in every community of course there's safety in numbers five founding clans my character is part of one of the founder clans for the forge now all the four other clans had settled into the forge but uh my main character his his clan didn't they are named the bulk snipe clan uh, just from the generators and uh, NPCs and names and faction names. I kind of like mix matched it together to kind of have like a family name to kind of make something that's a little more interesting, make an origin story of sorts. So the colony ship, they just stay on that and they don't try to get into any conflicts or skirmishes with any of the other clans. They're very, very isolated from everything. So they don't have any territory. They're not interested in taking territory. They're not interested in fighting any skirmishes, battles, or wars. Next comes iron. 
when it comes to swearing vows for quests. Uh, so vows are sworn on a resource or on a material element called black iron. And this material is super, super rare in basically the universe in the forge. Uh, but this is often found from precursor communities or precursor civilizations. And precursors are just like uh, ancient civilizations that have been around prior to anyone arriving into the forge. Now, uh, a lot of this is going to be found out through gameplay. Like, I still don't know. I'm 14 sessions in and I still don't know the four other clan names. I still only know the one clan name, so I have no idea what else is out there. Uh, and so for the precursors, don't even know if they exist or not for real. Haven't run into anything. So again, that'll be explored as uh, the campaigns go along. Uh, so that's iron. That's what they I swear iron vows on to fulfill their word. Alright, so then next is laws. Now most communities are lawless, so crime abounds, uh, power comes and goes, and it shifts frequently. Uh, authority shifts all the time within each community, and it's super, super rare to have a community or a settlement that uh, isn't corrupt, that isn't uh, fully automated, and that, uh, that works. So a lot of it is, uh, a lot of people are just on their own. Uh, the belief systems are as diverse as the cultures. Uh, the forge, when it comes to uh, like crazy things that are happening, crazy phenomenons, you know, the forge has a lot of crazy forces that aren't common in the old system. So there's a lot of things that are going on, different kind of anomalies, gravitational pulls that uh, nobody really understands. So it has forces that are crazy. Now humans can tap into this kind of uh, power. Uh, into these anomalies to do crazy stuff but uh, if they tap into that to be able to manipulate uh, dark matter or to get an idea of how the anomalies work and to use their power uh, it easily corrupts the mind and uh, they are kind of like the dark crystal called mystics if they are able to harness that power and use it for anything all right so then that's that the next thing is communication and data so a lot of it is short range communication. That's what works like radio communication. But uh, when it comes to long range, it has to be done through couriers. So a lot of a lot of times uh, different settlements, they don't know exactly what's going on in the forge. And they don't know what's going on with other settlements unless there's a courier that delivers a message. And that can be, of course, taken advantage of because nobody really knows what couriers look like, what what they do, what kind of information they bring. So anybody could just show up in a settlement or show up at a space station and give false information or misuse what they know in order to gain an advantage over somebody else. Uh, medicine was a lost art during the Exodus. So uh, doctors are a rare thing if they're even around. Uh, even simple sicknesses and disease is often dangerous and deadly. And uh, if the doctors are there, they don't have the equipment or the training in order to handle it. Especially if a breakout happens, they're not fully equipped to do so. Uh, AI. AI was built before the Exodus and followed into through the Forge. So it, uh, AI is super simple. It just goes into simple bots, systems, into computers, and ships that house advanced AI only to help. But there's no real like Android kind of deal going on. So AI is kind of kind of simple, but more advanced than what we have you know even now uh next is war so resources for war they're too valuable to support any kind of army so 
war is not really a thing because people can't afford it, literally. Uh, even if they get into a conflict, you know, weapons are simple and cheap and there are no real sides, everybody's for themselves. So if something happens, you know, allies, getting allies, getting other forces, getting other armies is going to be super hard, even impossible. So if uh, somebody gets on a skirmish and takes territory, not much else that anybody else can do just because they don't have the resources to support it. Life forms. Uh, so there are, there is life in the forge. It's just as bountiful as on Earth. It's full. And even uh, animals from Earth, or I should say from uh, the original star system that uh, everybody came from, they have adapted into the forge and the planets there. It can support life as well. Now, precursors, again, those are the civilizations that are there prior to your arrival. And uh, from what what is known, there have been many civilizations prior to any the arrival in the Forge in the game. So there are a lot of people that want to scavenge and search for artifacts and relics. But the thing is, some of them are best left in the vaults. Now, vaults, if you don't know, is basically the uh, precursor structures that you can get into that house interesting things but haven't found one yet so i don't really know too much more about it all right and then horrors in space uh spacers will tell stories if they are drunk enough and most say that uh it's nonsense when they hear of it but of course the forge has a lot of unstable forces and if you're traveling along space you are bound to have unsettling phenomena you're bound to experience it or see it and have stories of your own of the scary things that are out there. Okay, that takes care of that. Now uh, I'm going to talk about the starting star system. So the region is going to be in the Outlands, and the sector is the Bloodied Rest, is the generated name. Uh, the main problem in the sector is uh, that there's a Titanic-sized space-borne life form that stalks all the spaceways. So again, that kind of ties into the horrors uh, truth, where you're bound to find some unsettling phenomenon. So in this case, it could be true, it could not be true, but that's the rumor in this sector is that there is some giant creature that just stalks all the spaceways, the established trade routes, the hyperspace routes that are, or the E-drive routes that are uh, in the forge or uh, in this sector, excuse me. So within here, uh, there are three starting areas um, one is a planet called Selene. Again, I just used a d20 to roll for um, the names on the planet chart. So I didn't make up any of these names. I just rolled a d20 because subsequently there are 20 names that are as examples for you to, to kind of choose from. So I just rolled in that. So Selene. So Selene is a rocky planet, and that's all I know. Uh, and that there is one settlement on Selene, and it's called uh, Freya. Freya. So that's the settlement name. Population is in the thousands. The authority there, of course, is lawless. And the project that it's trying to do is uh, pacifism. All right, so moving on to the next area is Eventide, which is just a space station out in the middle of nowhere. That's it. So Eventide, and let me look at my notes. Uh, it is a population of the thousands. Uh, the authority there is lawless. The projects that it has right now is exploring other places. Uh, and the trouble, because I decided to start in that deep space space station, the trouble there was that it has depleted supplies, which we'll get into during the gameplay. 
also wanted to have something that you could see from Eventide that uh, there's a blazing blue star that can be seen if you look out some of the viewports of Eventide. Uh, now what does it look like? Uh, Eventide has a structural damage to it, perhaps from a recent battle or a battle long, long, long ago. And uh, there's, or excuse me, and there's intimidating defenses. So perhaps uh, large cannons that uh, are round about the entire station that look crazy and that look powerful. But if the, do they really work? Don't know. Uh, is it there just as a deterrent? Probably. We'll just have to find out. And then lastly is a, a planet called Arokoth. And Arokoth is just a Jovian planet, a gas giant. Um, not going to tell anything about what I found since, because you'll find out as we go through the sessions. But there's also a space station that's outside of Arakoth named Rhiannon. It is orbiting the planet. The population is few, and the authority there is ineffectual. Just as a... Uh... Oh, and then the projects is mining and also digging into the history of perhaps maybe the planet of Arakoth, or maybe the history of the people on the uh, on, on the space station. I typically would imagine this as kind of like a Bespin, the Cloud City in Star Wars, um, Empire Strikes Back, a mining colony. So that's kind of like uh, just something to keep in mind. Alrighty, next is uh, character creation. So uh, the name of my character is Mazigo, and the last name is Frost. First name, it came up uh, in a... Uh, a deck of cards that I have that kind of generates names, and I just kind of like that name, Masigo. Uh, and then Frost came from the generator, the last name generator in uh, in uh, Starforged. Uh, the paths that I've selected, if you don't already know, it's uh, Gunslinger and Explorer, just because I like kind of like the Mandalorian kind of deal um, as a as a Gunslinger, or even like uh, Sam Chisholm from uh, the Magnificent Seven. Those kind of gunslingers seems like a lot of fun. Uh, and then Explore, because I've uh, never really played it in Explore class in any kind of uh, TTRPG. So I just wanted to uh, see what that's all about, and I feel like there would be a lot of fun there. Okay, so some characteristics of the uh, the character. Uh, Masco is always on the move, always has to be doing something. Uh, again, keeping with the gunslinger kind of role, always has a concealed kind of like blaster underneath his jacket. Uh, the kind of clothes that he wears is mixed and matched. There's no real kind of style, just what works. And of course that collapsed keypad that's hung on or integrated with his holster. Um, some of the things that he keeps on him, of course, that uh, small blaster, of course, another uh, pistol kind of deal called the TB-38, which randomly generated from something else. Uh, and the grip of that one, the TB-38, is uh, like... Uh, it's a it's a black iron grip, so that's where he swears his vow on is that grip, uh, and engraved on the grip is kind of like a, a lot of swirling patterns. Kind of think of a Celtic pattern. Uh, and then the other thing that he has is a rusted handheld box containing what is rumored to have a stolen signal signal stolen signal of precursors, and it's it was given as a parting family gift, kind of like an heirloom from his father. Uh, his background I was uh, generated as having a haunted past of events and failures. So the first thing that came to my mind was uh, he wants to be an explorer, right? But the clan doesn't like people to leave. And if they do leave and they find out about it, it's banishment. Okay. 
Now, seeing that my character is an explorer, was trying to do it on the DL, and at one point when he came back from one small expedition that he calls an expedition, uh, had spread a sickness throughout the entire colony ship and caused a ton of damage. So uh, sicknesses and diseases, since there's no real healers or doctors to kind of help with, uh, with sicknesses and that they're not really prepared for anything like that. A lot of the people in the colony had died from disease and all he remembers is a lot of uh, crying that was going on, a lot of families being broken up and a lot of those people being shot off into space to kind of um, quarantine everything to make sure that whoever wasn't infected would be able to stay alive and continue on in the family name. Well, not the family name, but the clan name. Of course, this brings uh, some reputation embarrassment to his own family name, the Frost family name. And uh, since he probably had a bad reputation with the clan anyway and was on bad terms, was forced to leave and was banished from the colony ship. And of course, uh, just seeing and experiencing that kind of horror left him feeling guilty, uh, feeling terrible, and it troubles him to this day. Uh, this troubles him so much that he often thinks about making different decisions, living in the past just a little bit, but you know, of course coming to the realization that living in the past and wanting to make a different choice is not going to fix what's happening now. So what about the background vow? Uh, this one was kind of difficult to kind of figure out, so I rolled on the oracle and it returned something like uh, biological deterioration, which I use that example a lot in uh, some of the previous podcast episodes in uh, the tutorial. So uh, like bio degradation or something along those lines. And it had to be dire enough to fix or something terrible would happen, but nothing along the lines of like, say the Reapers are coming to take over the entire galaxy and you gotta stop them from invading the galaxy. So somewhere in between that and in between something that's like uh, fixing hurt feelings or something. So the thing I thought of was that perhaps uh, during the banishment, he found out that uh, the colony ship wasn't equipped to support life for that long on the colony ship. And as a result, uh, there's going to be some uh, biological degradation of people on the ship because they're just rebreathing kind of the same air over and over and over again. The filters aren't going to last that long. And because they're not going to replace it, they're not really going to contact anybody outside the colony ship for help that eventually everybody's just going to wind up dying anyway on the colony ship if they don't get out and start colonizing. So that was kind of like the big, big bad or kind of the big uh, issue that needs to be fixed or that he wants to figure out or help save his clan, perhaps get back in the good graces. So the background vow was to discover the truth that staying on the ship will cause the entire Gulk Snipe clan to be wiped out completely. So that's his whole motivation. Basically proving that he was right all along, that everybody should be out and exploring and colonizing the other planets and getting out there instead of uh, holding up on, on the ship and staying there for forever. Okay, next up is the uh, Valk Snipe clan itself. What are they about? Uh, the type that they are is a Dominion. Uh, their leadership is authoritarian leadership. Uh, their influence, well, it's just isolated, which again, this is all generated. I didn't pick any of it. So it's very, very uh, appropriate to what, uh, what they're all about. Uh, their sphere is artistry and secrecy. Their projects are to usurp a leader in a rival faction, 
but also too to broaden the scope of the faction to include a new focus. What exactly that is, don't know yet. Other quirks is that, again, this was generated, banishes the disloyal, again, very appropriate, and members take on a new name when joining, which kind of, uh, they take on the Volk name when when they join. Now let's say you lose you lose the clan name when you when you are banished. So there's that. Uh, rumors is that they've been infiltrated by a rival faction and also preparing a major major offensive or an operation. So don't really know how that's going to come into play. Is, is it true? Don't know. Is it not true? Don't know. We'll just have to see what happens. And then uh, for those that are curious, the stats, it's going to be, he has Mazigofrost. His his stats are Edge of 3, Heart of 2, Iron of 1, Shadow of 1, and Wits of 2. Alright, so what are some of his resources? Well, of course, it's going to be a command vehicle, the starship, and the name of the starship is Freya's Wrath, which, again, that was generated, so immediately I'm thinking that it could deal with uh, that planet, Selene, the settlement on there that's called Freya. Who knows, uh, could have originated from there, don't know, but that's that's his ship, and how did he find his ship? Well, eventually it was found as a derelict ship, and he had patched it together as best as he could, and uh, the, the unique thing about it is that the landing gear on Freya's Wrath unfolds like spider legs underneath, uh, kind of like a segmented landing gear, so many different kind of thin spindly legs that support the rest of the ship. Now what does the ship look like? Uh, I have come up with a design in my head, really, that uh, the cockpit kind of sits on top of everything, and it's a long, thin, kind of uh, tube-box-looking thing toward the front. So the back is where the cockpit is, two side engines, two pod-like side engines. Uh, so up up on the top deck, that's where the cockpit is. Right below the cockpit is like the crew quarters. And then as you start going forward into the ship, you start getting into um like the research lab the medical lab that could be installed um some of the airlocks that are kind of toward the toward the front and the cargo bay is super toward the front with a ramp that comes down at the front to let everybody out so that's the only way into the sh into the ship uh of course say for some emergency exits most likely somewhere in uh, in the cockpit as well as uh, escape pods kind of toward the back and to wrap up uh, session zero is the contacts. So one generated contact uh, that uh, Masago has, again, how he met this person, don't know, could eventually come out through gameplay, but he would have to have some sort of contact, some sort of friend that's out there, perhaps on his expeditions prior to being banished, knows of this person, who knows. So the... Uh, the person is Rhea Booker. Uh, her location is Event Tide. Role is a shipwright. Goal is to claim a resource. Aspect is doomed. Disposition is demanding. And the way that she looks is well equipped. So that should give you an idea of uh, the character a little bit. And uh, I set this one as troublesome just because I was starting out and didn't know how to handle it. So. There we go. Okay, so with all those things ready to go and set up, ready to start the campaign. Now for me, I like the idea of Eventide, again, because uh, it was just a space station in deep space in the middle of nowhere. Kind of reminded me of Deep Space Nine, but uh, a real more rundown version of it. And I mean, it doesn't really look like that space station. I, again, imagine it more like uh, Cloud City, but again, more rundown, 
more buildings, less of that circular kind of disc shape looking thing. Just, you know, a lot, lot of both. Anyway, enough about that. Event Tide was where I wanted to go. So I just selected that one because that one was interesting to me. And again, put Rhea Booker at uh, Event Tide as well as a contact. And uh, the scene that came up in my mind was just talking to her in her hangar because I would assume that she would have one as a shipwright and as someone who not only designs ships but also can fix them up. And because there's some sort of pre-established sort of relationship or acquaintance that my character was able to secure a hangar for his ship Freya's Wrath just for a little bit to get the goings on of the station which figuring out the problem in that small conversation, figuring out a problem that the station had depleted supplies. Now that was a story hook, but I didn't take it right at that time. Again, we're getting started into the initial part of the session, the setup. So in the space station, talking to Rhea Booker, figuring out that there's a supply problem in Event Tide, but immediately getting into the beginnings of the session is I don't even know what's going on. I don't even know what we're talking about. Why is my character even there in the first place? So again, I uh, went to ask the oracles and it brought up something along the lines of um, someone coming in to take something from Rhea. Now, the most important thing to Rhea was her business and her business was ships and fixing them. So I immediately imagine that somebody came in to steal all of her parts and taking them away by force. So in the middle of just general chit chat, trying to figure out what's going on in the space station, all of a sudden some people come in and start stealing her parts. Now who is it? Well, I then generated a faction called Elder the Elder Covenant. Then go straight into figuring out who the Elder Covenant is. So by generating it, their type is a Dominion kind of uh, rulership. Their leadership is a dynastic leadership, which in this little section I didn't know how a dynasty for kind of a criminal organization would work, so I just thought any member of the Elder Covenant could attempt to stage a coup or to remove whoever's in charge and then put themselves in place of whoever was in the lead. And that happens all the time with this faction. Their influence is localized, so it's only within the sphere of Eventide that they have uh, influence over anything. They haven't spread out across the sector. So already there's no real sector leader or a faction that controls that sector as of yet so i just left that blank and then their sphere is commerce which uh kind of made sense just trying to buying or just buying and selling things from the station uh their projects there were to broaden the scope of the faction to include a new focus not sure what that would include yet and then the next one is to incite conflict among rivals again not exactly sure how that would work out as of yet now i did roll on a relationship uh, table with them and their relationship is that they're subordinate to another clan and it's unknown which clan at this time they were subservient to. Now I'm already thinking that it's uh, one of the five founder clans from the Truths so they are underneath one of those five clans. Again which one I don't know we'll just have to figure out uh, who they are during gameplay. Uh, their quirks is that they keep an exhaustive records or archives of everything that they do and some of the rumors is that there's a new belief system that's causing a schism among its members. There's also uh, a rumor that they're preparing for a major offensive or new operation. Again, not sure how that would work in as of yet, but you'll see in session one. And then uh, just for notes for myself that I made for the Elder Covenant is that uh, with their leadership style, the dynastic 
dynastic leadership. Uh, again, just kind of note to myself, what does that mean? That the leadership style is one of constant change of authority, whether it's through uh, assassinations, through coups, or through some other kind of form of usurping the leadership. It constantly happens, which probably is why they have to keep records of who's doing what at what point in time. Make sense? I hope so. Now the stage is set for session number one. Again, starting in that hangar, kind of figuring out what's going on in the station at the time, asking the oracles which, which, uh, or what is going on and what uh, my character is seeing. So that's it to set up uh, session number one and also covering session number zero. Didn't expect it to take this long, even though I'm not rolling on anything. I was just giving you the rundown, the summary of what's going on, and then uh, the next time you hear from uh, this session report, it will be session number one, and I'll try to walk through some of the decisions I made and how I got to certain points. But until then, this is Call Sign Scooter, and I am signing out.